Amen. And all God's people shouted. Yeah. Amen. Slap somebody in the face and tell them, Merry Christmas. Go ahead and do that. And then take a seat. The front row's not usually that close, but... <laughs> Well, it's great to be here this morning. It's great to see you all here. And um, what a, I've enjoyed the service so far. <clears throat> My microphone is not right. So, um, one of the things, of course, about Christmas is the whole aspect of receiving gifts. And that tradition, um, well, it comes from a number of places. First of all, there was a bishop called Nicholas, St. Nicholas, old St. Nick, you might have heard of him. Um, and what he used to do was he used to give gifts to poor children on Christmas, and he did that to, in remembrance of the fact that at Christmas the wise men brought gifts to the baby Jesus, and even more importantly than that, that Christmas is the time that God gave us the greatest gift of all, the gift of His Son who came to this earth to be a Savior for all the world. And so, the whole aspect of exchanging gifts and so on comes from the fact that God was the first gift giver. He gave us a gift, and out of remembrance and gratitude and thankfulness for that, we continue the tradition of giving gifts. Now, earlier on in the service, we did a, a, we played a game called Pass the Parcel, and yes, Milan was correct. It is, a, a, it is played, other people, I'm sure some people here know the game and so on, but it's a, an old British tradition. And I just could tell when the game was going on that there wasn't a whole lot of British expats in the room because you didn't know how to play it properly. <laughs> because if you play it in Britain, you tend not to pass the parcel fast you tend to hold on to it as long as you possibly can, hoping that the music stops while you've still got it, so that you can unwrap it, so that you might get the gift. You know, and it's not actually just a Christmas game. They play at kids' birthday parties and all of that kind of stuff. I don't know how many times I played past the parcel growing up in Scotland as a kid, dozens and dozens and dozens of times, I tried all the techniques of making sure what part of the room, in fact, as we were coming in, my daughter said to me, I don't think we should sit in the front row this today because there's more chance of getting the parcel <laughs> a few rows back. So, <laughs> I mean, I've, I tried all of those schemes as a kid and I never ever won the prize in that game. And, uh, and the whole point of wrapping that gift in multiple layers of paper is to increase the sense of anticipation. Nobody really wants to be the person that opens the first layer or the second layer, but you have got no idea how many layers after that there are. And so everyone could be, this could be it, this could be it, this could be it. Wrapping a gift in multiple layers is to increase the sense of excitement and anticipation and the guesswork as to what the gift 
is finally going to be? Or has anyone ever given you one of these gifts that the size and shape of the box bears no relationship to the actual gift inside it? And it's done to confuse you. What could this be? You know, and you, you shake the box and you and then you finally open it up and you find out that it was quite different than you originally imagined it to be. Well, you know, at Christmas time, God sent the greatest gift of all, the gift of His Son. And sometimes when we wrap things up or when we use the figure of speech, keep, we're going to keep this under wraps just now, means we're going to keep it hidden. We're going to keep it secret. We're going to keep it a surprise. And the fact that something is wrapped up, you know there's a gift there, but you don't know exactly what it's going to look like at the end. And do you know that for hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born, mankind was waiting in eager anticipation for the coming of a Savior? In almost every culture of the world, they had beliefs and traditions and ancient prophecies that one day a Savior was going to come. And in, um, in especially in the biblical lands, among the people of Israel, for hundreds of years, prophets had been foretelling the day that the Savior would be born. And there was a great sense of anticipation and excitement, and people began to use the gift of guesswork <laughs> to work out what this Savior is going to look like. Maybe He's going to be a political Savior. Maybe He's going to overthrow the Romans. Maybe He's going to be a military Savior and come in riding on a white horse. Maybe He's going to be a great king that's born in a wonderful palace and will sit upon a throne and pass righteous laws for all the people. They began to guess and wonder because we tend to focus on our immediate needs. And if we think our immediate needs are political or, or physical or, or something like that to do with our comfort, then we will wonder if that's what the Savior is about. But God knew not what our immediate needs were, but what humanity's deepest need was. And humanity's deepest need was to be forgiven for all of our sins and mistakes and the mess that we make of our lives in this world, and to receive the love and guidance and presence of God into our life so that we can be new people who live a new life and build a new world. And so he knew that our greatest need was at the spiritual level, and that this Savior was going to be a Savior who would save us from our sins and from our mistakes, and that the gift that he would give us is the gift of a fresh and new connection with God and everlasting life. And so there's a verse in the Bible. It comes from the book of Galatians. We don't normally read this as part of the Christmas story, but I want to start off by reading this verse and, uh, because it tells us something really important. This morning, I don't want to really just talk about the Christmas story. I'm going to do that tomorrow evening. Tomorrow evening is our carol service with candles, our candlelit carol service, and I'm going to basically tell the Christmas story and also give you some of the, 
the cultural background to it that will help you understand it and make it more meaningful to you. But to this morning, I don't want to just talk about the Christmas story. I want to talk about the actual meaning of Christmas, what the purpose of it is. Why did God send His Son at Christmas time? Just so that we could have a, a nice story and eat turkey and give gifts and have family traditions? No, there was a reason. And look at this. It says, when the fullness of time was come. I read this in lots of different English translations. This was written in Greek originally, and I've read it in lots of different translations, and they all try to bring out the nuance of this phrase. Some say, when just the right time came. Some say, when the time was perfect. In other words, this gift had been kept under wraps until just the right time, till everything was in place, when everything was perfect, when the fullness of time came, what happened? God sent His Son, born of a woman. Well, that's basically the Christmas story. He sent his son born of a woman. This is really important, and we'll get to it in a little while. Like, Jesus didn't just beam down from heaven, you know, like a, a light, a spotlight come down, and, and somebody played that chord on the keyboard, and Jesus beat. That wasn't. He actually became a literal flesh and blood little baby human being. I mean, talk about how much more vulnerable can you be than that? The God of all creation chose to make Himself as vulnerable as we are to experience everything that we have. Why? He sent His Son born of a woman. Why? God sent Him to buy freedom for us so that He could adopt us as His very own children. Very often people will quote the verses in the Bible where it calls Jesus God's only begotten Son. Jesus was God's only begotten Son, but He's not anymore. God's got lots of sons and daughters all over the world now that every time someone puts their faith in Christ, they are adopted into God's family and we too become His very own children. The whole point of Christmas, the whole point of God's Son becoming one of us is so He could lift us up to become just like Him, to have a Father God who loves us, who cares for us, who watches over us, and who will be with us forever, not only in this world, but in the world to come. What I want to do is I want to just read three short passages from three of the Gospels that talk about the Christmas story. I want to just read through them quickly. And then I want to show you how this story is not just something from ancient history, and it actually is very historic. Have you ever noticed that like channels like the History Channel and things like that, every time 
I mean, I don't know why they call it the History Channel. You switch it on and it's ancient aliens and things like that. But anyway, it used to be history that they showed. But anyway, so the channels like that, documentary-type channels, have you noticed that every Christmas and every Easter they try to put on a TV show debunking it? Well, of course, it never really happened. You know, they'll have some old expert. You know what an expert is? An expert's a little spurt 50 miles from home. That's all it is. <laughs> For nobody knows him. <laughs> and, um, and, well, it did happen. It is historical. I'll share that tomorrow night. But it's not just an ancient historical story. It is a story that impacts our lives today and the implications of which ripple through all of history. So let's look at these three passages of Scripture. Let's start off with Matthew's Gospel. And here's a story. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Jesus, I, I, I know like AD and BC, and we kind of think that BC was before Christ, but technically Jesus was born in 3 BC. Jesus was born three years before he was born, actually. Uh, but it's because the Romans messed up the calendar. But that's when, um, when King Herod was. That's when he was round about then. And about this time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now look at this, because this is going to be an important thing. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. We saw his star. It's really important. And we, we have come to worship him. Let's read on. And then it says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, because he was the king, and no baby had been born in his palace. And, and so was everybody else in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this, now this is another important bit, this is what the prophet wrote. This is 500 years before Jesus was born. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling clans of Judah, for a ruler shall come from you who will be the shepherd, who will be the what? shepherd of my people Israel. So we saw his star, and then they went to the ancient scrolls, and they read the ancient prophecies to see. Do you see how God is wrapping his gift in multiple layers? Oh, the star is taking us a certain way, and we unwrap that. And then here's another layer. Now we need to go to the ancient prophecies and find out where he's going to be. And then his prophecy says that the ruler who will shepherd God's people, who will look after us the way a shepherd feeds and leads his flock, this ruler will do that for us. Let's read on. My next one, which is Luke's gospel. Let's go to Luke. It says, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus declared a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there 
from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Next, let's read on. And while they were there, the time came, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. Do you remember the first verse we read? When the fullness of time had come, when the time was just right, everything here had been pre-planned. And it says, when the time came for her baby to be born, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him. We're calling this service today Christmas Unwrapped because we're unwrapping not just the story, which we'll do tomorrow, but the meaning which we're doing today. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, which is an animal's feeding trough, kind of like this one we've got built over here, because there were no lodging available for them. Let's read on a bit more. Go to my next slide. And this one's from the Gospel of John. And I want to just point out a couple of things here before we unpack and unwrap how this story, rather than just being something that's nice for children at Christmas time, something that warms your heart, something which is a tradition, how this story can actually, when we understand it, change our lives today. Make us into the people that we were always intended and created to be. Look at this. Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel are basically, they tell the facts, but John's gospel tells the deep spiritual meaning behind it. And he says this, in the beginning was the Word. Now, this also was written in Greek, and the word, word, in Greek is logos. And it means more than just a word that you say. It means the message. In the beginning was the message or the meaning. In the beginning was the meaning. Or the, it's logos is where we get our word logic from. In the beginning was the logic, the meaning, the purpose, the person who is behind everything in all creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And of course, this Word is another name for Christ. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, through Christ, who is the meaning and purpose behind everything, through Him all things were made. Nothing in creation was made without Him. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Do you remember when Jesus came into this world? He said, he said to people, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life to guide them. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. You know, sometimes we tend to withdraw from God and from faith and from prayer and things like that, because we know that in our lives, there's darkness. 
There's sin. There's pain. There's regrets. There's disappointments. There's mistakes. There's all kinds of things. But when the light of Christ shines in our life, the light shines in our darkness, and the darkness has to flee. Have you ever noticed when you walk into a dark room and switch the lights on, you don't have to get a broom and shoo the darkness out. Shoo, shoo, shoo darkness. Get out the window. When you switch the light on, the darkness is gone. And when the light of Jesus Christ comes into your life, when you open your life and say, Lord, I believe that you are God. I believe you sent your Son. I believe I'm a sinner, and I believe I need a Savior. Come into my life and change me. It's like God has switched the light on inside of you. And what we have just seen there is the Christmas story. But I want to unwrap the Christmas story, because in that first manger 2,000 years ago, God sent us the greatest gift of all. The greatest gift of all, the gift of His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. But God sent that gift almost like a game of pass the parcel. He wrapped it in multiple layers over centuries, building a sense of anticipation for the time that the moment would be just right. The day had finally arrived, and it was time to unwrap those gifts. Can you put up my, my list of all of these points that we've just read? Here are all of these things we just, we just saw. The first one was the, the wise men say, we saw his star. God wrapped the gift of his son. He wrapped this entire planet in a cosmos in which every planet, every star, every moon are rotating in perfect clockwork-like precision. The constellations move the same way they're always supposed to move. The sun rises every day, and it sets every day. Everything happens according to perfection. And the wise men where, and I'll talk about this tomorrow night, I don't have time to go into it all, but these people were stargazers who followed the movements of the constellations. And they knew by following the movements of the constellations that an old age was coming to an end and a new age was beginning. And they also knew by following those constellations that it was telling them, the constellation Virgo was telling them that somewhere a miracle had happened, a virgin had conceived and become pregnant. And they knew from the constellation um, Leo, the lion, which was a symbol of the area of Judah or Judea, that they were to go to the land of Judea to see this. And so they went to Judea, and they went to Jerusalem, the capital of Judea, and nobody there knew about it, but just down the road, it would be kind of like going to the legislator building in um, Edmonton and saying, we've heard there's a new politician. Yeah, he's just down the road in Leduc. That was the kind of thing it was, just down the road in Bethlehem. So down they went. They followed this. God himself wrapped the, the gift of his son in the movement of a cosmos 
that had been ticking over for thousands and thousands of years for the purpose that at one point in time, the planets would align, people would see that, they would travel from afar with gifts in their hand, and that they would discover the gift of God's Son, Jesus. When they got to, to Jerusalem, we just read that they didn't know exactly where to go, but they read, this is what the prophet wrote, that in the town of Bethlehem, just a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, the Savior would be born. And so, the ancient prophecies were also wrapped up. The promise of a gift of God's Son was also wrapped up in the ancient scrolls. And so, what they did was they, they called the religious leaders, and they brought out the old ancient scrolls, and they unrolled the scrolls, and they read the ancient prophecies in the Hebrew language. Can anybody read the Hebrew language? It's just the alphabet. That's all it is. They, and they read the Hebrew alphabet, and it suddenly all made sense. And they moved down to Bethlehem. Hey, when they got to, look, when people were in Bethlehem, remember what the prophecy said? In, this, in the town of Bethlehem, in Judea, a ruler shall be born who will be the shepherd of my people. And they went to a place where shepherds go. Shepherds went there too. And they went to a stable. Here's the nativity scene. They came into a stable, a stable that was full of straw and hay, a stable which was full of bits of wood with scales and scliffs on it. It was not a, a, a hygienic place. It was not a comfortable nursery. And God wrapped the family and Christ Himself and His parents and all who were gathering wrapped them together under this stable. They were wrapped. They found him in a stable, wrapped in that protective layer. And then we read the next part where it says, and the mother wrapped him snugly. This is a little baby in here, okay? <laughs> Wrap, of course, they didn't have diapers in those days. They had um, little bits of cloth. How would you like that? Little bits of cloth, and the baby was wrapped snugly. Why would the baby need to be wrapped snugly? Because it's cold. Because this is a real human baby that was born. It's a Russian doll, but we'll just pretend it's a little baby. <laughs> and the gift that God sent was a real flesh and blood human being like you, like me, who would experience everything in life that we experience. But there was something even special about this child. In him was light, life, and that life was the light of all mankind. You see, the Scriptures tell us that Jesus, little candle, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. In Christ was the light of God. The Bible says that Jesus 
was God manifest as a human being to show us, to show us how He wants us to live, to experience what we experience, to die for us, to take away all of our sins, to rise again from the dead, and to be our Savior, our Lord forevermore. That's what, that's, but actually, that's just the Christmas story. That's only half of it, because here's the other half. Why did God do all that? God didn't just do all that so that we can hear about it and read about it and nod about it and say, yes, amen, that's a nice, thank you, God, for that. God did this so that He could save us, so that He could change us, so that we could receive the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation that comes from God. Because, you see, when we open our lives to Christ, let's change the metaphor a bit. Instead of making this Russian doll Jesus, let's make this you. When you open up your life and put your faith in Jesus Christ, the light of Christ comes into you. And you become a temple of God. God's presence comes to live inside of you. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God washes all of our sins away and makes us so clean. Here's how it words it. It says, it's like covering us in white linen, in clean white linen. God covers us in clean white linen, a symbol of the, our sins being forgiven. And then he doesn't just say, you're on your own. You're on your own, right? Go, and, go in, into this world and live it on your own. No, he says, I want to be your shepherd. I want to feed you and lead you the way a shepherd feeds his flock and leads his flock. I don't want you to be on your own. I want you to be part of my flock. I want you to come into my sheepfold, into my church, into my community. And he brings you into be part of His kingdom, part of His community, part of His people. And as you become part of God's people, as you're learning what the Scriptures say, as you're hearing them taught in church, as you're reading them in your own, all of a sudden, the Bible becomes a whole new living book to you. No longer is it a book of ancient history. No longer is it a book of of rules that you're supposed to try and obey and live by, it suddenly becomes a book of promises. A book that when you open it, you discover that when you sin, God has sent a Savior to forgive you. That when you are confused, God wants to be a guide and lead you down the right path for your life. When you are anxious and troubled, God wants to give you the gift of inner peace that passes all human knowledge and experience, that all of a sudden this book is a book of exciting promises that you can apply to your life and can change your life. And as you learn and as you read, not only do you have the light of Christ in your spirit now, but your mind begins to change. Your thinking begins to change. Your whole life begins to get wrapped up now in what the Scriptures teach, you begin to think in a different way. You begin to pray in a different way. Your faith begins to grow. And then when you go out into the outside world and you look around you, instead of just thinking, I'm just a human being in the rat race, trying to get from Monday to Friday, then I can get the weekend off, all of a sudden you realize, 
I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a purpose. There's a God in heaven. And he, my goodness, when you go out at night and you look at the night sky and you see the stars in the heavens and you realize that the God who created this perfect timepiece and you look out in the world and you see the God that created this perfect ecosystem and you look at your own life and you think the God who created me, He has a plan for me. He loves me. He sent a Savior for me. He wants to adopt me into His family. He wants to be my father. He wants me to be His child. And when your life becomes wrapped up in all of the blessings of God, all of a sudden, life looks totally different to you. And all of a sudden, it comes from, it, it changes from just being a rat race to being something with meaning and with purpose and something that will bring fulfillment to you. And then you, God can use you yourself to be a gift that He can give to the world. God can bless you. He can work in your life. And He can work through your life to be a blessing to others. All we have to do is open up the doors of our life wide to God and receive His free gift. And when we do that, it changes us. It makes us new people. It wraps our, our lives up neat and tidy the way they were always intended to be. And it makes us into something of incredible, incredible value and purpose from, from this day on and into the future. I want to, us to just look at one very last verse of Scripture now, and it's the same one that we started with. But I, I, want to see, I want you to see that this is what it was all about. Let's look at our last verse of Scripture here, Galatians, um, and it says this, when the fullness of time was come, when the right time came, Jesus was born at just the right time. And here's something else you were born at just the right time. I don't know the circumstances of your birth or your parentage or your upbringing or anything like that. It might have all have been beautiful and idyllic or it might have been one big mess, humanly speaking. But I want you to know you were not a mistake. You did not come into this world at the time you came by accident. God planned for it. Everything in creation is happening just exactly on schedule. And let me, let me go on and tell you something else. Maybe you come here every week, or maybe this is your first time here. I don't know, and I don't care. But I know one thing for sure. God planned for you to be here today. And as I was praying this week, I believe that God planned for me to say the things that I've just said. And if you have never unwrapped the gift that God has given you, why have a gift, the most valuable and precious gift of all, and leave it unwrapped on a shelf? God wants you to open up the gift that He gave, the gift of His Son, Jesus. And the way you do it, is not to open up paper like I've just done. 
It's to open up your heart and open up your mind and sing, today, Lord, I choose to believe in you. I choose to put my trust in you. I choose to open my life to you. Give me your gift. Let your light come in. Let your love come in. Let your son come in to my life and save me and change me. In just a moment, I'm going to ask us all to stand and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. But before I do that, I want to show you the prayer. I want you to know and think about what we're going to be saying. Because this prayer is the prayer that opens the door of your life and lets God's love, God's light, God's forgiveness, God's grace come flooding in. Let's have a look at the prayer. We're going to say this prayer. We're going to say, Father God, today I give my life to you. That's your Christmas gift to God. We're going to take our life and put it in God's hands. Today I give my life to you. My past, and it was probably a big mess, but don't worry. God's in the business of taking messes and turning them into miracles. Okay? My past, my present, my future. I believe you sent Jesus Christ. That was God's Christmas gift to us. And that he died on the cross for my sins. He rose again from the dead and is alive. And this is where we're opening up. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, and change me. May your spirit fill me now. And then we're going to talk about our future. From now on, I'm a follower of Christ. Help me to live for you all of my days. And we will pray that in Jesus' name. Church, just before we stand, can I just challenge you one more time? And I know it's Christmas, and I know it's all supposed to be Santa Claus and Rudolph and all of that stuff, but I've been praying all week about this service and, and tomorrow night's service. And as I prayed, I felt God place a great burden upon my heart, saying to me, there are going to be many people at these services who have never opened their life to Jesus Christ and do not know what it is to be saved and forgiven and changed. Don't let this moment pass. Today is the right time. God brought you here for a reason. He's offering you the gift of salvation today. I urge you, open up your heart and life and take it. You will never, ever regret it. Come on, let's stand up together. Let's stand. Okay, let's look at this screen. Let's still our heart, still our mind, get into an attitude and an atmosphere of prayer. And let's say this together. Are we ready, church? Are we ready? Let's go. Father God, today I give my life to you, my past, present, and future. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ and that he died on the cross for my sins. He rose again from the dead and is alive. I ask you to forgive me, 
cleanse me and change me. May your spirit fill me now. From now on, I am a follower of Christ. Help me to live for you all of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. you prayed that for the first time, be aware, synchronicities, events and coincidences are going to start happening in your life today, pointing out that God is now your partner, He is your Father, He is your Shepherd, He loves you, He holds you in His hands, and He will never, ever, ever let you go. Overall and over.